And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation. I'm helping, I'm hoping helps your business grow. All right, so you wanted to start a business, maybe you already started one, and you realize that there's a lot of complexity when it comes into the setup of your business and doing it properly. Do you need to be an LLC? Do you need to be a corporation? Do you need to do a lot of different stuff? That's exactly what we're going to get into today. Now, before we get too far into that, are you thinking about starting a new business or expanding a current one? If you are, then it's important to get it set up and maintained properly. That's exactly what the folks at Universal Registered Agents do. LLCs, S-Corps, C-Corps, nonprofits, no problem. Learn more by clicking the Universal Registered Agents link in the show notes. Now, speaking of Universal Registered Agents, with me today, I've got Kent Rockwell, who is the CEO of Universal Registered Agents, which is legal services. And if you want to learn more about what they do or set up a new business, click that link in the show notes. But without any further ado, Kent, welcome to Startup Hustle. Great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to you. You know, this is this is one of those topics that um, on the surface might not seem like it has a lot of dazzle and fireworks around it, but you might find that without getting this stuff set up properly, you're going to have some unwanted fireworks in your life. <laughs> I want right. to talk, I want to talk all about that, <laughs> yes. but first I'd like to get a little bit about your backstory and you know, what, what brought you to, to starting and growing the business that you guys have at universal registered agents. Great. Thanks. Um, yeah, I've been basically in the registered agent, new formation business, all of my career, um, been through a couple different companies now. We formed Universal Registered Agents about seven years ago, and we we do all the way from new company formations to working with existing companies to expand in additional states, and then we also work to get them out of states if they're no longer doing business in those states. Okay, so when we talk about the quote incorporation of a business, not I mean the the vast majority of U.S. businesses are not technically incorporated. They may have other types of legal standing or or formation entities. Like, should we maybe start about talking about what some of the different types of setups are? Sure. Yeah. Uh, most of the new companies we see now are LLCs coming on board, and those usually are the most attractive um, form of a company setup, and it usually gives people the most anonymity uh, when forming their business. And uh, there's different tax ramifications from that as well. But um, generally, LLCs are what we see. Uh, we do see a lot of C corps, which is you know pass through taxes onto the shareholders. But you know, for the general entrepreneur, we'll see them um, generally form an LLC. Okay, and that's uh, that has a lot of, that's a lot different than incorporating a business and creating an actual corporation. 
it's it's really the same process. It's just the type of business that you're coming out right. with, and right. and um, and generally we like to uh, have our clients at least consult with their attorney before forming a business, and you know, giving them all the details as far as the type of business, what they want to achieve with setting up that company, and then let the attorney tell them the type of um, entity that best suits their needs, and then we can take it from there and form the business. Um, we generally recommend that they um, that they appoint a registered agent or a commercial registered agent, which could be us or any other registered agent company out there. But um, that just gives them further anonymity and, and, and doesn't have themselves as the registered agent. Yeah. And for those of you listening, this is a part of a, of a, uh, of a more comprehensive series about setting up a business. And thank you for participating with us and sponsoring the series, because I think that this kind of stuff is really important, especially for entrepreneurs that have never done it. Um, You know, you've heard me talking. So if if you want to go back and catch the beginning of the series that started on May 2nd, 2022, where we did the episode setting up a business. It was myself and Melody Ashby. The next episode was shit you shouldn't do when you start a business with myself and Trisha Meyer. Believe it or not, she that was her title suggestion. She had a whole series about some of that stuff on YouTube. Uh, then Matt, Matt Watson and myself did the new business checklist. And that was just Matt and I going through some of the things that we have learned are really important when setting up a new business. And here we are about talking about incorporating your business and stick around folks. Cause in one week, we're going to talk about protecting your time, effort, and data still associated with a new business setup. So I was, I find it interesting. So that you mentioned having everyone consult with an attorney. Now I probably should disclaim I'm not an attorney. Are you? I am not either. I have an ag background. So yeah. So we're, so we're not giving you legal advice here. Uh, now when it comes to what you guys do and you can go to the letter U, the letter R agents.com to, to learn more. But, um, so you're basically streamlining the process of the setup and, and I think attorneys want that. Right. And a lot of times the attorneys will turn it over to us or a company like us to actually form their company uh, once they get through the consultative stage yeah. and onto the actual formation. Yeah. Better, yeah. faster, cheaper, right? Right. Yeah. Right. So, and, so what are, you know, just so we kind of understand what the services you perform are, like what are some of the actions and things that need to be done that you take care of. Right. Well, the, the first thing that we'll do is um, they'll call us and say they want to like incorporate something in Kansas or Missouri. And then what we'll do is we'll go out and do what we call as the name availability check. So we actually go out to the state and make sure that that name is available for the client. And then once it is, we can go ahead and reserve the name for the client. And it depends on the state, but um, a lot of times there's a a minor cost to do that. But that will hold your name for a period of, you know, 30 or 60 days while you figure out exactly how you want to structure the business and actually form it. But then, you know, you can reserve the name with the state. Then you can go out and actually get your domain name and your email and all of that set up uh, as well. So. Um, so once you have all that, then we can go ahead and help you prepare the state forms. And depending on the type of entity that you choose, we'll help you fill out the form. Um, we'll go ahead and make sure that everything's correct. And then we'll go ahead and file it with the state. And that involves a lot of times working with the Department of Commerce or a number of different things. And, and, and also the federal government, like getting some, I mean, maybe if you, if you are really early in the setup process, mm-hmm. you might not even have uh, an employment identification number. 
You need one of those in the state too. Though. You do. You'll need yeah. to, uh, you know, once you form your company, you'll need to get, you know, obviously a bank account and the, the banks will require the actual articles of incorporation. They'll require an EIN number. And, um, um, and then you'll have basically everything you have to, to get your bank account set up. One, one of the things we were talking about in some of the earlier episodes about business setup, and I also uh, really address in my book, Million Dollar Bedroom, is a lot of people start a business, which means by default, you're a quote, sole proprietor, mm-hmm. which is really the worst setup possible. Mm-hmm. Like that's the, you have, you are subject, you're putting yourself in a direct line of sight right. uh, for, well, you're not separating yourself from the business. And that, and I think a lot of people don't get that. And so at what point is it a good time to begin setting up either incorporating or creating a corporation and LLC, whatever it is? Is it, I mean, is it right away? Right. Is it later down the line? I mean, we recommend it early on and the, the sooner the better. And like you said, um, by having yourself incorporated, you do protect your personal assets. And so, you know, if someone wanted to come in after you for whatever reason in the business, um, if you aren't incorporated, then, then definitely you're at risk. And the other thing that you're at risk is um, if you if you don't file your annual report and each state, they're, they're named differently, but but generally they're called an annual report that you have to file once a year uh, with the state to keep your business active as well. Yeah. I have to admit, I'm I'm often that company that gets mm-hmm. the letter that said that I needed to file the right. annual report, which costs mm-hmm. like twenty dollars, but then I forget about it. So right. then it costs me a hundred. Right. So you got to so, pay yeah. the penalty to get back into good standing and correct. And, and by the way, there's, I've had weird things occur in the past by, and this was kind of my fault for not keeping up or using a service like yours where you, we moved addresses with one business and it wasn't mm-hmm. forwarding stuff. So we hadn't filled out a, like a goofy annual report. And then all of a sudden I like was getting some uh, pretty angry correspondence from the state. Right. later about things. And uh, yeah, I recommend avoiding that. These are distractions. And okay. So mm-hmm. it, when it, when it comes to it, and once again, we're not offering legal advice here, just maybe more so experience and, and doing reps, like what, what, what has been so attractive about LLCs? Cause when the first business I started 15 years ago, actually made a corporation and that seems to not be as seductive or appropriate for a lot of businesses that are like LLC, as you mentioned earlier, seems to be the way of the, the, the world now for right. many early stage. Right. And um, the, really the attractive piece about that is you can file an LLC and you don't have to really disclose a lot of details about the business um, to the state or on a public type of basis. So you are required to form an operating um, agreement or to provide an operating agreement, but you don't have to file that with the state. But the state can require you to provide that. So you do need to have one done as part of the, the formation process. And and there's boilerplate um, operating agreements out there. You can Google them and they're not that extensive. But um, you know, if you've got a lot of different components to the business and you want to kind of keep that private, that's one of the advantages to the LLC. So let's talk about, I think there's, I, I admitted before we started recording that, um, even at my old age and, and vast experience, I'm still hazy on what to, 
you get the term, do you have a registered agent? Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that. What exactly is a registered agent and why is it important? And do everyone, does everyone need one? Well, uh, the, the reason that you'd want to have a registered agent is it is required when you're forming a company and a lot of small businesses will select themselves as a registered agent or whoever formed it or the president of the company. And you can do that. And, um, we don't advise it. Um, you know, the main, I guess, the main responsibility of the registered agent is to receive service of process. And so that you have a physical address within the state that if, if someone wants to serve process, it's a place that the state requires you to, to uh, active location to do it. So if you select yourself as a registered agent and you're getting served, um, you're going to have the sheriff walk into your place of business, you know, with a summons or complaint. And it could be just a garnishment as small as that. But, you know, you've got employees in there and they're wondering why the sheriff is walking into your place of business. And it just creates more kind of a, a strange environment. And if it's served on the registration, you know that it's an address there. They accept it. It's scanned and it's forwarded on to the client. Which would and, have solved the problem I mentioned earlier from moving from one address to right. another. Because, you know, it's one thing to forward your mail, but a lot of stuff doesn't forward. It doesn't. I mean, a lot of the, like all, like basically all of the IRS type stuff and state stuff. I don't know why it feels like that should be the first thing they forward, but they don't. Mm. You talk about the, some people like, oh, well, the sheriff would never come. Mm. Well, look, when you have employees, what Kent's referencing is, so just say you have 20 employees and your business grows to that point. And one of them uh, has a divorce and they're not compliant with paying their child support. That's why the sheriff would come by to to serve you papers and let you know Mm -hmm. that they're garnishing that employee's wages. I've had that happen with employees Mm -hmm. and you get, I mean, they, they, and not the sheriff didn't come by on that one. I got a, I got a letter. Exactly. And and a lot of it is served through the mail, but, but, you know, a lot of times we'll see companies move and, you know, the last thing they think about is changing the registered agent. And and that's one of the most important pieces. And three months later down the road, you've missed a lot of important mail and state specific information. And, and it's just, I found over the years in my experience that it's better to have a commercial registered agent uh, as part of your incorporation process. So, so going back to my own experience and getting that garnishment letter, mm-hmm. I wasn't really like, I, it took me a minute at first I, I opened it and it said, you know, it was like wage garnishment. Mm-hmm. I was like, shit. Yeah. And then I looked at it and I saw it wasn't for me, mm-hmm. but I had to really kind of figure out how that worked and whatever. Do you guys advise on that stuff as well after well, or is that? Part of when we do receive process, we'll, you know, we have everything automated. So we'll go in and verify that it's our client. And if it is our client, then we'll go ahead and accept it and make sure that the client is then notified. But if it's not, then we'll reject it and it goes back to whoever served it. So they actually, you sometimes get notifications for people that aren't your client? Uh, We will get served on clients that are not ours. And then, you know, we'll identify that it's not our client and we'll send it back. So. You know, I moved into my home and this is a little, little off topic from that. And the guy that lived, I've lived there for eight years. I still get letters from the IRS for this guy. And I mean, like years later for their business and mm-hmm. they're like literally um, trying to do things like it's like annual reports. And I, now that I think about it, I haven't received one in a little, in a little while, but mm-hmm. they're unforwardable. 
and you send them back and it's like, you know, no longer an address or whatever. They just keep coming and coming. Right. And, and coming. If, if the client's not, or the business is not getting that mail and they don't know they need to file something, then, you know, they, they can lose their corporate status within the state. So and, Dong Sheng, if you're listening, mm-hmm. change your address with the IRS or get a registered mm-hmm. agent, maybe at uragents.com. So setting up a business and maintaining compliance isn't easy. That's why it's important to have expert help along the way. That's exactly what you'll find when you visit universalregisteredagents.com. There's a link for that in the show notes. It's also the letter U, the letter letter R, agents.com for all your business setup and maintenance needs that can help you with LLCs, corporations, nonprofits, wherever you're located. In addition to helping you create the right kind of entity, universal registered agents can also help you with registered agent service, which is what we were just talking about, and a wide variety of corporate services, as well as helping meet the needs of independent directors. So what's an independent director? Um, you know, it's it's not the traditional thing you'd think of as just an independent director sitting on a like a board of directors and and primarily where we work is with large commercial transactions. So like if there's a um, a mall or a multi-unit like apartment complex, um, generally loans in excess of about $30 million, uh, the lender will require an independent director. And our sole purpose is to be there um, for anonymity's purposes that if, um, um, you know, the company or the entity gets into distress that we would be brought in to either, you know, take it into bankruptcy or not. And, and, uh, and so that's our, our purpose is solely to decide if it should go into bankruptcy. If, you know, if all the, the right models are there that it should go into bankruptcy, we'll go ahead and vote for that. If not, then we won't vote for it. And we'll generally get counsel to advise us as to which way to go. But, uh, that's the old new role of the independent director. Okay. So, so we've used the term anonymity a couple of times. Let's mm-hmm. chat about that. Cause one of the, th- <laughs> and I'm laughing cause I, mm-hmm. I wish I had done this. Uh, if you don't have, if you don't have anonymity, uh, I will just tell you right now that you can expect 10 million phone calls after right. you set up your business, both now and forever. Correct. Um, your first three days will start with every credit card processor in the world calling you eight times a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and what are some of the other benefits of, of the anonymity? Well, I mean, it just, um, you know, I think for those very reasons that you just spoke of and you just, you don't want unwanted solicitations coming to you. Um, you don't want unwanted people coming in your door and you don't want, you know, I like to keep, the, the components of my business private from the world, uh, you know, and um, I think that that's important for everybody that they, they want to keep their business private. And, you know, if you incorporate it correctly, then you're, you're just, you know, more insured of keeping that, you know, different components private. So, so now kind of bouncing back to the LLC versus the corporation things, like what, what are, compliance issues that could come up with either like what are some common things that LLCs and we, we have we understand the annual report but mm-hmm. what are some of the other things that could come up primarily that's it the annual report that you need to file that once a year and that's where we see most companies falling out of compliances because they forget to file that annual report and you know universal registered agents we have an automated tax calendar that notifies them 30 days out as far as when their annual report is due a lot of times the states will also notify you but um, you know you might have someone within the company that's an admin um, who's responsible for the annual report but the notice goes to the president of the company 
president of the company gets that notice and they just, you know, ignore it because they don't want to deal with it. And then all of a sudden they're not in compliance anymore because that interim report didn't get filed. So that is the most, I would say, important part of staying in compliance is making sure your annual report is filed. And then, and then just, you know, keeping up, um, you know, with your bank, you know, have a good relationship with a bank, um, you know, that you feel comfortable with and, and, um, you know, the banks will, will, will also help you stay in compliance with everything. And they'll also require, require all the compliance with the state. So, you know, the banks and the companies working together with the state, um, that's, that's really key to keeping your business uh, in compliance moving forward. And, you know, when it comes to opening a bank account, it, you used the, in the post Homeland security era, mm-hmm you got to have all this stuff set up or the bank's not going to even let you in. Right. They were a little looser about that before, mm-hmm. but there's a whole lot of things that they're wanting to prevent that we don't need to get into here in this episode. But yeah, you're not, you're not going down to the bank and starting, uh, you're not, you're going to have a tough time opening an account for your business without a lot of this paperwork. So, okay. So what about changing your entity type? So one of the things that I think a lot of listeners are hoping for is that they start a business and later they're going to, so when, when you start an LLC, you have members, mm-hmm. you have shareholders in a corporation that uh, corporations pay dividends. Uh, LLCs give distributions. And with that comes a K one form, which passes yeah. the profit or loss onto the individual members of the LLC in most cases. Mm -hmm. And, and with that though, private equity doesn't like that setup and usually will push for, they don't want the K one and which I get, I get, I full scales invested in six different companies Mm and I'm here in in the middle of May and I'm still chasing K one forms. I can't file my taxes without them. And so what, what about changing entities? Um, you know, as companies grow, a lot of times they will want to change their their status. And uh, the best thing I would recommend too is to find a good tax person and um, and consult with your tax consultant on a regular basis. Hey, is this still the correct entity type with my business growing, uh, moving forward? And they can give you um, direction on that as well. The other thing too is if you're acquiring companies, you might. Um, you know, you might be an S corp and you're acquiring an LLC. So you've got to kind of figure out how to blend those together. And, and, um, and before you do that, always consult with your tax uh, representative to make sure that there's not going to be tax consequences by, you know, merging entity types if you're making an acquisition. Yeah. I, I ran into something similar. So the business that I started that I talk about in my book, million dollar bedroom was actually in Indiana. And then we moved, I'm from Kansas city and my wife and I moved back here and we wanted to move the business and the way that I thought that I should do it, uh, would have imposed some pretty shitty tax implications. And I had a, had a tax attorney advise us Mm -hmm. on a better way to do that. So, uh, that, and that could have been, you know, here's the thing is after you, after you do that stuff, you've done it. You know, like if you close an entity, open a different one or do this or that, like you don't want to find out later. It's, like, it's hard. To, it's hard to put the genie back in the box. It is. And that's why I said, you know, check with your attorney, check with your tax person. And anytime you're making a change to the corporate structure, always consult that before you do it. And then you've got the best shot at success or not having a huge tax bill at the end of the year that's unforeseen. 
Let's talk a little bit about the business name because I think people get this confused because like Google is Alphabet. Mm-hmm. That's Google's business entity name. Uh, they go by Google, which is their DBA doing right. business as. Now, if you if you are, so if folks are working, they go to UR and it's letter U, letter R. You can type in universalregisteredagents.com if you want. But if you want to go the quick route, you go to uragents.com. Now, with that, if if you're registering in a state and someone else has your name, you can still potentially do business right with that name, correct? Correct. I mean, we're uh, we were fortunate with Universal Registered Agents to have that available in all but one state. So, uh, the one state that it was not available, we just formed a DBA and and we were able to set it up that way as well. But uh, again, that goes back to doing that name availability, don't get too far down the road with your business name and then realize that it's already taken by someone else and you've got to change direction. And you might've already applied for your domain name and your EIN number and all of that. So it's very important to do that initial name availability check when you're starting or setting up a business. Actually go the other route first and see if there's the domain available. Right. And in some cases, so like my business is at fullscale.io, which Mm -hmm. the .io designation is very common in tech. But in some cases, people, I mean, I tell people that don't, uh, that aren't in the tech scene, they'll be like, .io, what's that? Right. And it's kind of amazing, mm -hmm. too, because you would be surprised at how unsophisticated a lot of systems are and they won't recognize the .io suffix. Right. Uh, other things that and I, and I have a whole section in this uh, about in million dollar bedroom when it comes to setting up your business is, well, first off, I, I highly recommend avoiding hyphens in your domain name because you sentence yourself to always being like, it, it would be like universal hyphen agents hyphen, right. you know, and, and you know, you gotta, mm-hmm. you're going to always end up talking about that. And then all, there's also one, uh, really funny thing that you ever see these things on, that people post on Facebook. It's like 25 signs that did, that weren't well thought out. Mm-hmm. You got to put all of your, all of your name together before the dot com and look inside it and make sure you're not spelling or doing things that are really tough to spell, translate, or sometimes spell other things. And I actually use the, the example of if you were, if your business was Compass Wholesalers, there is an ASS hole in there. Mm-hmm. And a right. lot of people get stuff set up and they make signs <laughs> yeah. and they do all this stuff. And then they, and then someone points that out later. And you and, don't you know, realize it. Yeah. Exactly. Just think about that. I mean, it's also, mm-hmm. you know, there's situations where, you know, one word and another word come together. And just like I said, right. there's, there's a lot of stuff like that. So think about what you're getting yourself into. Shorter is better. Shorter is better. And if you do have a long name, obviously we have a long name and we check to make sure that all the different variations were available. And we were able to also secure uragents.com yeah. as well as the universal. So if you can abbreviate and, and really just get all the different variations of those domains, uh, when you're, when you're signing and, up and your registrar stuff. will ask you, they're like, do you want dot IO, dot com, dot biz, right. dot net. If you feel like you need to, you know, there's domain squatters out there that if have, they will, they're hoping right. for for traffic in the wrong spots or the wrong places. Right. So yeah. it's you know it costs a little bit of money to lock that stuff down, but I mean depending on on uh, you know 
The more, the better, really. Yeah, yeah. it just, yeah. just depends on your level of comfort with mm-hmm. it. Shorter is better. Okay, so, um, you know, when it comes to like, like some general advice that we're going to give to entrepreneurs or startup founders, I mean, what, like, if I said, Kent, what's, what's some of the best advice that you can give when it comes to easily incorporating your business? Obviously, going to your shop mm-hmm. would probably be the first. Right. I, you know, as I said, talk to your attorney, make sure you've got a clear business plan, uh, make sure you secure the name and, um, and then, you know, just work to protect your, your investment with when you're, when you're getting your business started. And, uh, the other thing we've, we see too, is, um, as companies expand and hire employees and especially with people working from home today, and, you know, we happen to be close on the state line between Kansas and Missouri. So, you might be, you know, we're in Kansas, but you might have an employee over in Missouri and you don't qualify the business over there to do business. You know, you lose some protection there. So anywhere that you have employees, you really should qualify your business within that state. And so, well, let's talk about that for mm-hmm. a second, because I think a lot of people get advice to, you know, what are the, what are the plus, as mentioned, we're in Kansas. And if you're not, if you're not aware, Kansas and Missouri and Kansas city, are all mashed together. And there's an invisible line that runs through our town. I'm going to blow some people's minds here. The Kansas city chiefs play in Missouri. It's shocking how many people (laughs) I tell that to. We're hoping to get them to Kansas. Kansas city's in Missouri. Yes. Mm -hmm. Most of it, most of it. And that creates a lot of hassle and different Mm -hmm. stuff, but you you have some folks that, you know, end up opening an L the open, they incorporate in Delaware or other States. Like what are some of the pluses and minuses to, you know, that as opposed to being, well, first off, if you, in the state of Kansas, if you want to, as a startup or a new business, if you want to possibly participate in some of the uh, incentives or different programs that they have for new business development, you better have your business registered in the state. Correct. Right. Or they're going to tell you to bring it back. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so right. You want to set up your business. You want to, uh, um, any place you're doing um, business in outside of the state you've incorporated in, you want to qualify as a foreign entity. And uh, the foreign entity just means that it's in an additional state. Right. And so you'll, you'll, um, you know, incorporate your home state. Then if you're doing business in like Nebraska or Missouri, you want to qualify to do business in those states. And it's just a, a simple qualification form. You've got to make sure that you're in good standing in your home state. You might have to provide a certificate of good standing along with the qualification forms. But, um, you know, we can definitely help you expand into additional states if you need to as well. And there again, that's when the importance of a registered agent a lot of times will come in because you're you're here in Kansas doing business, but you don't have someone in Missouri to be that registered agent or that physical address. So there again, you need to hire a commercial registered agent in those additional states. So we've talked about all the things that that make a lot of things about setting up that and how to make that easier. But here on Startup Hustle, we like to talk about failure a lot too. Right. And uh, I've, uh, if you've read my million dollar bedroom or listened to this show mm-hmm. for a while, you know, that we're, I'm not afraid to talk about all the stuff that I've done poorly. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have, you know, we don't have to throw anybody under the bus here, but do you have any, uh, any horror stories that you've helped people, uh, navigate through that you could share? 
I'm trying to think. I mean, we um, we actually had one just um, recently, uh, kind of a horror story come up. And again, I won't use names. Sure. But, yeah, please but, yeah. but we had a company that was doing business in you know, 20 or 30 different states. They changed agent over to us. And uh, um, we realized that they were, you know, participating in some fraudulent activities. Nice. And and then here we are, the registered agent there. And, you know, we don't want to do business with, with companies like that. So we're going to end up having to uh, resign as a registered agent in all of those states. And, uh, um, you know, we like to do business with companies that are above board and, you know, in good standing and do all the right stuff. But once in a while, you'll find where, you know, they're not, you know, they're not good players. And, you know, we have to then resign. And uh, um, we don't. We don't generally see a lot of failures. We see, um, uh, I guess, a lot of, if you look at the new entity formations, and this is kind of book work, but they, um, you set up 50 new companies in a year, half of them will be gone after the first year, and then another half the second year. And then after about two years, they tend to become more stable, and then they tend to to, to grow and add states and build the company. So there's a pretty high, I don't know, failure rate or oh, we had a great idea and got some friends together and, you know, we tried it for a few months and it just didn't really come together. So I will dissolve the company. So uh, we see a lot of that. How often do you run into issues where founders and owners are fighting? Uh, Fairly frequently. I I think (laughs) um, actually moved into a new office last week and the guy I think was in tears. He was leaving, um, um, another office in our building and you know he was in a fight with his partner of 15 years and they couldn't get along and they had the company 50 50 so nobody really had controlling interest so they had to just dissolve the entity and uh, that is one thing i would recommend when you're setting up a company and keep 51 percent of the company and uh, if you can if you can as long as you can and keep control or at least have partners that um help you maintain that 51%. Yeah. And you, you mentioned the, the shutdown of stuff. So that can be, that's in some cases can be more of a hassle than setting up. Right. And, and, you know, and, it, and you talk about annual reports and other things. So I mentioned moving a business from Indiana to Kansas so at the time, um, the help that I had with that hadn't filled out one simple form that mm-hmm. was like the final thing that needed to exit us from Indiana. And I'm sitting in Kansas City and I get a phone call one day from an attorney. He says, do you want help with the tax warrant that you have? And I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, you have a tax warrant in the state of Indiana. I said, what's a tax warrant? He mm-hmm. says, well, there might be unpaid taxes or something that was in there. Now, I that wasn't the case, but when we exited the state and didn't fill out a, a little form at the end, they the states will just assume that you still have the same number of employees and the same number of stuff, and they weren't. They were sending to our Indiana address and all of that, and basically, that you know they were. The, the letter was saying that we owed like 75 grand. Now here's the thing. Had I, you know, my wife's from Indiana. If I had gotten pulled over in the state of Indiana, they would have actually maybe taken me to jail. And uh, now that was a form away. Just one form solved right. that whole problem. But these are the things you're wanting and hoping to avoid because no one wants to find out about that the wrong way. 
Right. And that that's also an important reason to have your, your attorney involved or a company like ours, if you're resigning or withdrawing from a state or moving, um, that's where, you know, these professional firms can help you make sure you've, you've done all the due diligence to, to move or get out of that state. Yeah. And that's, and, I mean, these are, I, Hey, I mentioned, mm-hmm. I'm not afraid to share the, right. the failure moments, but those are, you know, here's the thing. It, yeah. That was, that was fairly straightforward to fix, but that ruined an afternoon for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to figure that out. Now, if you've ever heard the phrase death by a thousand tiny cuts, that's how entrepreneurs and founders feel on many, many days and weeks all the time. So like my priority is trying to avoid the thousand tiny cuts because a few hours here, an afternoon there, a day there, next thing you know, it's like, I, I've compared it to, you know, so I have 250 employees. If each one of them wastes three minutes of my day, then I've got a full-time job of time being wasted. And it's, it's pretty challenging. And I think that's, you know, that's the key to setting stuff up correctly from the start and, and making sure you've got all of your dots crossed and everything as you're forming those new entities yeah. and doing them correctly. Yeah. So. And that, that, Probably is a good time for me to once again give a big thank you to your company, which is also today's episode sponsor, Universal Registered Agents. There's a link in the show notes. Look, don't go, don't go and do this stuff yourself. It it's easy to look at it and say, oh, I could probably do this. These, you know, these are affordable services that pay off in the long run. And it's little tiny bits of compliance and failure and just not being protected or understanding what you need to do. Don't find out about that after it's already occurred. You know, it's like the idea of insurance. No one likes paying for insurance until they figure out that they needed it for some different reason. So you can set up your new business and maintain all aspects of your business's compliance with universal registered agents. Their goal is to help make your job easier so you can focus on what you do best, which is running and growing your business. So connect with them by visiting the link in the show notes, universalregisteredagents.com. Or if you want to take the shortcut, just go letter U, letter R, agents.com. So Kent, here we are at the end of the show. I mean, what, what do you want to say? And and I'd like to, to have a little freestyle moment mm-hmm. at the end. Is there anything we forgot, left out, or that you, you want to add that we no. didn't address? Thanks for having me today. Yeah. I think it's great to be here. I think it's great to be able to educate people on the need to to protect themselves and to, to form their companies right from the start, to to get a registered agent, to, to have it formed in the state that they're wanting it in, and to... Um, um, have a company there that can help them through the whole process of start maintaining and in some cases taking out of their business in different states as, as they go through the process of their company. Yeah, this is, I mentioned at the beginning of the show that I wasn't joking. Like these are the, the, the things in the parts of business that aren't, don't have fireworks and neon signs and they don't feel glitzy and glamorous, but they need to be done. And there's a, and whenever you're starting a new business, and we've done episodes in the past about this as well as early there, there's just 10 million things you need to do one, sometimes just one time and keep up with. And I really recommend that you get help with them because you're going to find that in the earliest stages of your business, when you should be out either, you know, building something, looking for new business, growing the business you've already acquired. And you're going to find as the founder and the CEO or whatever role you're playing as someone that started the business that you get sucked in 
to these things that you need to do. And, you know, like it might be going and buying a printer and then you got to hook up the printer and then you're like, shit, I don't have any paper. Maybe I need some more toner. What are we going to set this thing on? Now I got to build a table. I got to buy a chair. You know, all these little things really, it's back to death by a thousand tiny cuts. So right. I appreciate what you do and I appreciate the, the topic and hopefully you all learned something from it. So Ken, I'm going to catch up with you down the road. Thanks for joining yeah, me. Today. Thanks for having me. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. Like we do it.